0: That money that we raised for the co-op was specifically to purchase, uh, help them purchase a soap machine because they're trying to increase, um, increase their territory really from going just to jewelry and hand soap to adding this all-purpose cleaner that they showed us that you can use for washing your hair or washing your floor. Um, and it's something that you know. If you buy a necklace, you have one necklace. You don't need 15 necklaces, but everybody gets keeps getting dirty, right? So, soap would be a great, uh, great thing. So, we'll show you some pictures of that. So, this is just a picture of their flag. So, we thought we'd start with a before and after shot. This is before we left. This is in Vancouver. We're all energetic and all excited, even though we hadn't had that great a sleep the night before. Um, this is after. <laughs> you can see the difference between we're very sick in this picture yeah we got we got sick over there just with the cold but but pretty severely um this is in Toronto so we still had to fly to Vancouver and then to Kelowna and then drive home and I didn't even have to say look as sick as you can it was (laughs) like okay here's our Toronto selfie and that's pretty much what it looked like so these are some things that happened in between so you can see why we were feeling so um, so ragged at the end. So this was our main mode of transportation. this was a blast. Um, I was a little concerned about the moto taxis because the driving is crazy. You just have to put that visor down and it's usually really scratched up from you know bonking your head on the on the driver so you can't really see that well anyways, which is probably a good thing. Um, Marie. Tell them your story. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) okay, so
1: generally, like I was really uh, afraid, kind of, to ride on these motos. Like I don't. My husband and son go motorbiking; they do all that kind of stuff. I stay home and cook or garden. So, um, to ride on a moto for me is kind of a big deal. And usually, I I had nice big guys to hang on to, and I guess they don't really like you to hang on to them. There's these bars in the back. that you're supposed to hang on to those and Stacy did good hanging on to the bars but I was like there's no way I am not hanging on to you so I would like hug the drivers (laughs) as tight as possible and um, this one time I got a really small like kind of the size of my son and I said to Stacy like I am never riding with a small moto taxi driver again I need someone big Um, and so I always thought that like you are the luckiest
0: man in Rwanda right now (laughs)
1: You have a white,
0: white Mzungu
1: hanging on to you.
0: (laughs) And there there are not very many white people. A Mzungu just means foreigner. But everywhere you go, you hear Mzungu, Mzungu, especially from children as they're chasing after you and peeping in your windows. But so we drew a crowd. And all we would have to do was walk to the end of our street and motos just start descending on you. And this is us trying to figure out. We even had a map and the name of where we were going. And it still took about 15 of them um, to figure out where we were going. And so we'd always say
1: "bajado, bajado." That means like slow, slow. And this one time we said it three or four times and they went really slow.
0: We <laughs> were like, okay. <laughs> Speed it up a bit. Yeah. Um, we felt pretty safe on the motos. You kind of We just said one prayer over head lice to cover the whole trip at the beginning because the helmets are all sweaty and you don't know who's, how many heads have been in there already that day. The straps hanging way down. You know if you get into an accident, your helmet is just going to just going to go flying first thing so we prayed over that and we felt pretty safe um, except for one time that did not involve motos that marie's going to tell you about a little bit of a taxi mishap
1: so um it was later in the evening it was around seven o'clock we were just coming home from taekwondo i wanted to stop at the market one last time like you know buy a couple more things before we leave and it was rush hour so like the streets were like kigali is packed there's so many people there i'd I I didn't expect bush people but I didn't expect it to be such a huge place. Um, So our taxi driver decided to take a shortcut and (laughs) um, so we're taking the shortcut and we get kind of to the end of the road and there's this like big like abutment where the road is kind of broken so he can't go up on his side. He's got to go like on the the left but there's a bunch of moto drivers and so he drives up to them and they won't move and so he kind of like honks and drives a bit more and they won't move there's this thing with motos and taxis there i don't know so he decides it would be a good idea to hit one and (laughs) he like revved his engine and like smashed into one and oh my goodness it was just like they all got off their motos surrounded our car started banging on our car opened the driver's door was trying to haul our driver out stacy puts her arm behind to like i'm in the back she's in the front and I just started praying like a mad woman. Like, I was like, I, we we can't speak the language. We don't know where we are. Like, it was a moment of, like, really, Lord? This is how I'm
0: going to go? Like, it's at the end of the trip, and what? Come on. She rolled up her window. I couldn't even hear her praying because the banging on the car and the, all of the, the loud yelling. And I was sitting in the front, and it was hot. I mean, I had just finished Taekwondo. I was like, I'm not rolling my window up. And I, I had this little elephant that I had got at the market for Hannah. And I just, I, I felt a little bit afraid when they were trying to pull the driver out. <laughs> but I was surprised how little I felt afraid because I kind of thought, we're on kingdom business. Like, we we know these moto drivers. We've been with them all week. They're normally nice guys. We didn't do anything wrong. And it just kind of, one thing that's kind of um, percolated in my mind since then is I should feel like that all the time. I should feel like never afraid because i i should always feel like i'm on kingdom business but that kind of particular moment where it could have erupted into something really ugly and luckily you know didn't um it was just kind of a moment of yeah, hey, I, I don't really i don't really feel afraid right now um the guy ended up having to pay the moto driver the equivalent of 6 dollars that's all it took to to get out of that situation so lesson learned this was another really fun form for me not for the cyclist I made this poor guy I only made him go about a mile and a half to get me some cough medicine but this was a really fun way of transport transportation too okay these next.
1: so this is um just a lady sitting at her sewing machine it's like kind of the equivalent of a tiny strip mall um and she's just sitting there waiting for customers like the Rwandans they'll do anything to try and earn a living like they're quite um resourceful, and often you don't even know how they're making ends meet, but they seem to be able to make have a one meal a day for the most part. A lot of them don't eat very much but here's a lady she's sitting with her tomatoes, just like on the street um We saw lots of ladies like that with their avocados or They'd have their mangoes on their plate, on their head, with their baby tied to their back, um, walking down the street, and you could just buy produce from them.
0: Another thing was Banan, you'd see, they use bicycles for wheelbarrows, pretty much. Um, it's not called the Land of a Thousand Hills for Nothing. So most often you see people pushing their bikes rather than um, than riding their bikes. But it was amazing. Yeah, like Marie said, you just wonder, you look around and you think, how do these people survive. Yeah. They they don't have jobs or the men are over playing cards and drinking and a lot of the women are, are working and our friends have been there for 12 years almost and they still, it's still a mystery to them how how people survive but things like this, they they are very resourceful and do what they can. So this is just a picture of um, one of the hills um, just to show you how concentrated a population it is. Um, If you live up here, you've got more money, and then as you get down here and down here, the poorer people live in the valleys. Uh, And there's a reason for that. Um, This is a picture from the house where we stayed with Brad and Kiki. Um, I think we showed you their pictures last trip. Um, They're still there. They still live there. And this is after a rainstorm. So can you point to the little... So those
1: little um, kind of lines of water are ditches that are, are five feet deep. And this filled up in a matter of maybe a half an hour, like the rain there is incredible, absolutely incredible. I've never, I've never seen rain like that in my life. And we got caught in a rainstorm on a moto once, and we were so close to being back home. And we we're like, like keep going. And when, at one point, the guys like, like we need to stop. He wants to stop, and we're like, no, nope, no. Nope. <laughs> like he, eventually they stopped, and then we we're like five blocks from home, so we decided we're going to run home right they thought we were absolutely crazy because you know they thought we would get sick and die or like we they do, have these they weird do, beliefs yeah. there that and so we were like let's go
0: it so was we, a blast actually we started <laughs> we just really took, and
1: within like 10 seconds it was like we were went swimming there's yeah. so much weight. and
0: people were stopping to offer us rides even though we were soaked to the bone and would have totally ruined their cars and we're just like no we're fine they're just looking at us like we're crazy Okay, one of the main reasons that I went was um, to help and get basically thrown into the deep end uh, in a Taekwondo school that we started there. Um, we're trying to, we don't have to bring Taekwondo over there. It's over there already, and they're very, very good at it. But they've never made the connection between martial arts and the justice piece, they've never made the connection between, you know, defending people. You know, they, they do it for sport. They do it for the trophy. They do it as a way out. So we've been making those connections, and it's just really, really powerful how God's hand has been in this. I visited this church two years ago for probably a half an hour. I met Pastor Dennis, which we'll t- who we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and it, it, we're standing there teaching Taekwondo, and I thought, okay, two years ago you guys remember I had applied for that IJM job and I wanted to work for them and I was devastated when I didn't get it and crying and kind of upset and now I can totally see how God was orchestrating that moment for me to learn that he will give you above and beyond what you could ever ask and imagine because if you had asked me do you want to do this IJM job and go mobilize teenagers and work with youth. That sounded awesome to me. It sounded great like I was born to do it. Or you can go teach self-defense to women and children in Africa. Hands down, there's no contest, right? So I felt very honored and privileged. I felt like, isn't everyone jealous of me that I get to go go over there and do this? I kind of felt guilty almost. So we started this uh, little sister school. It's still running twice a week. Um, and they're so cute. They will imitate everything you do. Um, at one point, I had to start class, and my translator wasn't there yet, so I just <clears throat> started warm-up, and they will imitate everything, so if I just kind of, you know, would do this just for fun, all of them would lift their foot up, and they had no idea what they were doing. They can't understand anything I'm saying. I'd scratch my face. They'd scratch their face, so like this is, this is going pretty well. Um, some of There's Dean, so we overlapped with uh, the Seminoffs for about... Three days, so I got to teach a couple classes with him, and then the rest of them I was teaching on my own, even though I'm technically not qualified to do that yet. Sorry, Kathy. They're so cute. They were so into it. These are some of the older boy, uh, older students. We didn't have any older female students actually, except for Chantal, which we'll talk about. But these guys are about 18 to 20. This kid in the white, uh, this, he was pretty intense. He did not want to mess with him. He was very, very serious. Yeah, he's like I want to. I want to fight with you. He kept doing this. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but he would show up early, clean all the chairs, wash the floor. I mean, they just they were so into it. They would have come to class five days a week if we would have had it. So I'm making him do those sit ups. You know, where you have to hold your feet out. <clears throat> This little girl, you'll meet her mom later in our slides. She, every time we did kicks, she would try to touch her foot to my foot. You know, it got to be a little bit of a joke. We're teaching them how to break boards. Some of them like wouldn't bend their legs. They were, they would wear skinny jeans or whatever they had for class. You know, and they're kicking. You know, just like it's like bend your legs, bend your legs. And this is what I would get afterwards, little taekwondo snuggles. I thought that this was a boy, for about. Four classes, and then we saw her at church, and it, it's a girl. <laughs> but she was she was uh, very enthusiastic, staying for all the classes. And this was another God thing. This is Zura. I can't pronounce her last name yet. She's a 22-year-old Taekwondo national champion. And she was given to us um, as a gift from God through Facebook, of all things. We found her, and she trains six days a week, um, usually for four to six hours a day. And she wants to be part of our school. So she's actually there teaching our school. And again, it's a God thing. God just brought, he brought a counselor from IJM. He brought Zura to us. He brought um, another athletic guy. And these Christians are kind of dotted all over the place. So we, you might be seeing her. We're going to maybe bring her over to train with us for a little bit and then go back with her um Isn't she pretty? She's so cute. She was a lot of fun to hang out with. Marie's going to talk in a minute. I know I'm kind of dominating. So this was incredible as well. This is something we weren't expecting. Um, This lady here used to be a trauma counselor for IGM when they had an office in Rwanda. So she's trained in doing um, therapy for anyone who has gone through sexual violence Um, their youngest victim has been two and it ranges up to 35 and so she is very very good very educated but IJM doesn't have an office in Rwanda anymore so right now she's unemployed so we got a hold of her Um, and then that other lady is her mother and her mother started a poor women's development network where she has about 3,000 women that she oversees and um, trains and just is supportive of and about 600 youth. And so we got to go there and do a demo for them. There's some of the ladies. It was so fun. They were all in their African skirts and their headdresses. And then these are the youth. And the woman, or the young lady with the sunglasses on, she had a black eye underneath there. So it was good that she was there. I'm not exactly sure how she got it, but. So Dean, in his typical form, was like, okay, I want you guys to go do this. You're like, "Okay, I'll try." so we're just we're just demonstrating some self defense techniques there, and um then we just had a blast afterwards taking selfies with these with these ladies. Um, this woman right here was my partner, and she was probably forty she looked like she was older than she probably was but she was so timid at first and then I was telling her trying to demonstrate to do it harder you know like do it with force and once she started to do that she'd kind of giggle every time she'd punch she'd kind of giggle and you could see just over the course of a half an hour the confidence and, and just the fun that they were having um, and this little lady here sorry for the finger I don't know whose finger that is I'll let Marie tell you about this lady so um, this other lady, if
1: <coughs> we like to call her the equivalent of like m- me as being African. She's exactly my height and stature. She's like Mighty Mouse. Um, and so I got to um, do some self-defense stuff with her, and she would be like punching, and, and I would like be blocking and whatnot, and then all of a sudden I'd kiss her hand, and she'd be like laughing. So it was just, it was awesome. We can't speak the language, couldn't like really understand each other, and yet there, there was this like free-flowing love going on. It was really cool.
0: So just shortly, because it was only one day I spent um, at the Christian school teaching the teachers, and we did personality traits and learning styles, which was really interesting for them because in Rwanda they don't care about personality. They had a very hard time self-assessing. What their personality was. I had like a 15 questionnaire little test that you guys could probably do in five minutes. It took them an hour and a half to do this test because they don't trust each other at all. So one of the questions, for example, was like, what word would your friends use to describe you? Well, we had to tell them you just need to pick one because they said, well, I don't trust what my friends say to me. They, they could say this, but they're a hypocrite and and but once we got them into their four personality colors you guys have taken these tests before you kind of are proud of your color and you're talking smack to the other colors and that's exactly what started happening is the the blues the feelers were making fun of the thinkers and the thinkers were making fun of the blue people saying oh you have to say good job good job all the time and it was hilarious we had a blast And it actually really worked. Once they did the personality test, they could recognize themselves in these different colors, and then they could recognize their students' um, personalities as well. So we just went through that kind of training. It was really fun. And this is Marie giving Jesse a run for his money.
1: Well, I'm not sure about that, but so the uh, one Sunday we attended uh, church in Pastor Dennis's church, so this is the same building where Taekwondo was held in the um, Abundant Life Church and for those of you that know me um, before this trip I could not public speak I couldn't even come up front and read scripture like the fear that I had about public speaking was intense like to the point where I would probably throw up being up here Um, and getting ready for this trip, I was like, all right, Lord, I know that you are compelling me to go. And so whatever doors you're going to open, I'm going to say yes to. Like I'm not closing doors that you open. And so, <laughs> so Dennis said that, well, on Sunday you can preach. And I was like, come on. <laughs> yes, I will. <laughs> and it was such a really cool thing because God totally took all my fear away. Like there was moments leading up to it where Stacy would ask me, like, "Do we need to pray? Like, how are you doing? Are you okay?" And I'd think, I'm like, I'm, "I'm really good. Like, I'm really good. Like, this is, this is weird." And even today, Noreen asked me, "You doing okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm good. Like, I have no more fear about public speaking and testifying to the goodness of God and what He has done." So I gave my testimony and I preached about. Lies, um, truth, and oh, I forgot the other identity. one. Identity, yeah. Um, and there was a- some amens and hallelujahs, and Pastor Dennis would translate. And after the fact, women would come up and be like, um, "I have experienced the same things. Like they found that things like abuse and drug addiction and things like that that I've experienced in my life." They have also experienced and are experiencing. And so it was, n- it was neat for them to see a white person from a rich country come and share about the exact same things that they struggle with. So, this is um, Abby Napora's book. Most of you know Abby Napora. Um, I brought over some books for her, or from her, for Dennis. And this is his daughter, Favor. She, she was the uh,
0: foot kicker. That's who that,
1: that's who that? Mm-hmm. Um, Dennis De- Dennis um has an amazing ministry there. They are very poor in Rwanda. Like especially most most of the people there are poor. But Pastor Dennis, he supports in his house 11 people. He doesn't have an actual income. Like he gets once in a while he'll get stuff from his church, but his church is very very poor. Most of them are are orphans and widows. Like people who don't have who can barely survive themselves and a lot of the people that come because of the genocide that the culture there is very traumatized um, you know the genocide happened in 1994 and now in the last couple of years perpetrators are being released back into the population and it's sort of like you know if they haven't had healing it's like picking an old wound um, so they in his church he has something called, Empower. It's a trauma rehabilitation um, counseling program that women can go through, and men. And so a lot of the women of the Bayonese Co-op have gone through this Empower program, and it's helped them um, deal with a lot of that trauma, and it's brought them freedom. Um, So this is his wife, Claudine, and baby Faith. He was born six weeks premature. Um, He was born with a broken leg and had some other issues. So um, a lot of you might remember I spoke about that before we left. Um, we rallied around them, raised some funds to help cover those medical expenses because they don't have money for that. Um, and we got to see him, and he's he was doing great. This he had actually spent all his time from coming home in the hospital in the bedroom. So this is his first time coming into the living room. Um, I think I he's th- a month old already in this picture. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- she had him wrapped up like in all these blankets, and he's sweating. And I'm like, take the
0: toque off. Just take the toque off. Um. They believe a lot of it. I mean, a lot of um, education has to be around child rearing, and um, they keep them wrapped up like that because they're afraid they're going to get sick. So my friend Kiki, when she had her babies over there, she'd have them in a onesie like most of us would, and she'd get, you know, comments and, you know, angry stares from people thinking that she's being abusive to her babies but they keep them bundled up but they believe things like you know don't drink water when you're nursing because it'll water down the milk so you have all these dehydrated moms walking around so there's some education there that needs to happen so we're getting into our compassion pictures i know we're uh we want to be aware of the time but this is uh this was we got to visit five compassion children one of mine um, my son dylan supports a little guy Two of Marie's and Abby Napora's daughter, they were all kind of in the same general area. And so this is me looking through the book of um, one of them. They keep track of all of their medical history and their academic history and all of the money that you donate. They have a list of everything they've they've bought with that money.
1: You want to talk about these next? So um, we're at my sponsor child's home, Claude. He was writing an exam, so his brother hopped on his bike and went to get him so we're just waiting for him so all the village children have come to greet us they sang us a song um they they were taking selfies with them um this is we called him oscar because for whatever reason we could not get this kid to smile no matter what we did we couldn't we couldn't make him smile he picked his nose a lot but he
0: we couldn't we couldn't get him to smile
1: Here's a young girl with, with a baby on her back. Like, you saw this all the time. Um, this is a grandma. She's So the kids are singing their Welcome to Africa song, and the grandma, she just comes up and she starts dancing. Like, this is in the village. Like, this is in the middle of nowhere. The, the, there was times our driver would, like, we would stop, and he would call, and he'd be like, okay, there's this big tree and some goats. Like, that's the directions that they would, you know? Like, are we almost there? And if like if for some reason we got separated from our driver like we'd never make it back like um, so this is my boy Claude we've sponsored him now for I think six or seven no seven or eight years I think Um, he's
0: just coming from his exams he's the one that we got to meet two years ago when my family went we went and met Claude's family his grandma when she saw me threw her arms up in the air and did this little thing like that it was so cute so it was it was just really
1: cool to be able to go and see this child that we've sponsored now for so long. We um, brought backpacks full of gifts for all our kids, um, some fun stuff, some very practical things that they can't get there. Things there are very simple. Like their house was little mud brick house, a couple of benches, and like we're sitting on the benches going through this backpack, and then they you know cook on a little fire outside. That's all they have. They have like that's all they have.
0: This is um, his older brother, who is, we met last time, and we were teasing um, him and Hannah last time because they were both 18, and were you know kind of like, "Oh, yeah, you know, my daughter's 18." And, and this time he was like, "Sorry, Hannah, I know that, I hope this doesn't embarrass you. He's like, "How is your daughter?" <laughs> she was very interesting to me. <laughs> Please send her greetings from Rwanda." so there you go Hannah greetings from Rwanda so we brought some sunglasses and a Canada hat and this is
1: I brought this thing today it's out on the compassion table this is a it's a wooden milk jug it's a symbol of prosperity in Rwanda Um, it this is his gift to me from his family Um, and this was very this was very moving for me because these people have nothing like the, when I say nothing I really mean nothing they don't have anything and here they've gone out of their way to, to spend money on a gift from my family um, that was f- yeah so this is his, his mom and dad his brother and his grandma and that's Eugene
0: his grandma's here and this Eugene here he's the compassion translator guy and he
1: used to be a compassion child also and now he works for Compassion
0: so this is me uh, meeting Seppi's mom. I met her mom before I met her, and this was a very pivotal moment for me because this woman would not let me go. And she was sobbing. I don't know what she was saying, but I assumed it was thank you. Um, Seppi hadn't been sponsored for a really, really long time. I think she was 16 or 15 when we when we picked her up two years ago. Um, and so she just... Uh, yeah just touched my mama 's heart um.
1: so the one the one oh. thing about compassion is you sponsor a child it 's basically like you 're sponsoring their family because only one child per family can be sponsored so there's it 's not like all the children in that family can be sponsored. only one child per family can be sponsored, so your money for your compassion children means s- like it's huge it 's huge your sponsorship means so much to them.
0: And so do your letters. Um, I know it's kind of a pain to write letters for me. I, I see the letter coming from my child, and I get so excited to read it, but then in the back of my mind is like, oh, now it means I've got to write a letter. It is huge to write these letters, and it takes five minutes. And now they have, um, they've started a program where they scan it to the office so that it gets to them in two weeks rather than two months. You know, in July you're reading about what they did for Christmas, and it just feels like I can't remember if I told you this already. So that's new. But the letters are huge. If you haven't written your compassion child yet. Um, or don't do it very often. Please just do that little little bit. Um, I know Colleen; she writes letters for um, children whose sponsors don't ever write them. So they get the money and they get the support, but there's no relationship there. So write your sponsored children if you if you haven't already. And this is. Oh,
1: sorry. I was just going to say, just say simple things like how much they are loved and how valuable they are, how how much God loves them, and how much you care about them. Just those simple things mean a lot.
0: So we brought them little uh, photo albums. So we're going through and showing them our homes, and then we left some blank pages to send them pictures of us together to to fill in the pages. And I bought her some matching pants. So she went and put on her matching pants, and, and then her mom was like, sit with your legs crossed, because I was sitting like that. And so her her mom made her sit like a mzungu, she said, and, and so she crossed her legs and took pictures. So we brought, we brought gifts for the kids, we brought gifts for the moms, and then we brought duct tape for the dads. And I can't tell you how awesome that was. Um, we're trying to think, what, what would the dads need? Oh, duct tape. And so this is the dad. It, it didn't matter what we were saying, he was just enthralled with this duct tape. He's like, you can see the lights going on as far as, what am going to use this duct tape for? So here he's actually using it to fix a, a, little, bind, a little binder that the binding had broken. So he taped that all up and then you could kinda see him the rest of the time. He's kinda like wandering around with his roll of And When, they, of duct when tape. he started the roll, like
1: here at home, I don't know about you guys, but you'll start your roll and at the end isn't quite so we'll cut it off and throw it out. They don't do that there. They they tore it off and, and then like Ripped saved it in it. In half you Like know? Saved, like it was like precious to them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, I think this is a video of this African hug which oh my goodness. This lady made me bite my cheek probably five times. Um, so, the way they hug, the women hug, is kind of a pounding on your back, up and down your back, up and down, and it's long. It's up and down. Well, this lady was, well, she'd hug, and then all of a sudden she'd give me like a Heimlich maneuver, like, <laughs> and, and it was like, hallelujah, and she'd, and, and <laughs> she'd probably done it four times before Marie started videotaping this and I'm trying not to laugh because my eyes are like bugging out and I just kept saying amen amen hoping that she let go of me but so the she didn't until she was ready As she's
1: hugging she's praying and you can hear her say Jesus every once in a while so we knew that she was
0: praying yeah she was like shaking can we play that video I don't know if you can see my facial expressions if it's not working that's fine Okay, you get the idea. My eye's bugging out of my head and me trying not to laugh. So just sitting around chatting with the family. Um, she had three brothers that were away at school, I think, and all the neighborhood neighbor kids come out. And this was the next day. So that was day one, and this was day two. And we had two kids brought in, and then we visited with Miriam. We'll have to go through these. Mm-hmm. So um, in the orange is Abby
1: Napora's girl, and... In that is my girl, Mir- Miriam. Um, oh,
0: and then, okay. Oh, no, go ahead. There's more. Nope, there's more. No- yep. Okay, and this is the other little guy, Jadot This is um, Dylan's little guy. And uh, it was really significant for me to meet his mother, and to, it just kind of struck me that my son is taking care of your son, and not in a, ooh, look at us way but just the connection between the two until they started calling me, oh, that means you're his grandma. And I was like, okay, stop, That that's. <laughs> so this is his mom. She was young. She was young. And they have another child in between these two. So the compassion guy, Eugene, was taking every opportunity he could to give her some family planning tips. Um, you know, you got to slow down. You got to space them out a little bit, um, things like that. So this is my girl Miriam. So we started sponsoring her after
1: Stacy's trip at when she spoke at the Junction, and um, there was a compassion table there. That's when we picked her up. Um, it was it was just really cool to see her. Like it's there's awkward moments when you're just like you don't know what to do or say or like you're sitting at their I- I house on the bench and you know. And so I would try and make those moments kind of fun where I would like you know. Poke her or like try to tickle her and hear him kissing her. And um, just to bring some joy on that day to them. Like, I just felt really, I know that I went and I was a blessing to them, but I I feel like I came home way more blessed seeing them and doing that and entering into their world for those few hours. So, this here is a wooden carving that her family um, gave to us as a gift. Same thing like the milk jug. Um, This that gift is probably very expensive like it's a very elaborate wooden carving that they bought and for a family of they had six siblings to go out and spend money on that to me is so humbling So
0: humbling. he loved his sunglasses and he loved his whistle and his soccer ball and we taught him how to play mini sticks which was hilarious this is Abby's girl I can't pronounce her name um, Ishimwe And this is another video. I don't think our videos are working, but she's basically saying thank you to Abby. God bless you. We're asking her, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says a pilot, but they don't pronounce their L's very well, so it sounds like she wants to be a pirate when she grows up. But it was really meaningful for Abby to see the video. So this is Miriam's family, or part of them anyway.
1: The other kids are away. Um, That's her mom and dad and two brothers. Um so the brother is doing up his shirt he had just like a white t-shirt on under that kind of dirty and the mom is like we're taking a picture like go get some good stuff on and so he
0: gets his good shirt out but he kind of did the mom, <coughs> oh you know that kind of thing before before he did okay so this is the ba- part of the
1: Bayonesa co-op that we fundraised fundraised for before we went um, in this co-op let's see Chantelle, on the very end, we're gonna talk a little bit about her. She's right beside She She's a member of the co-op. Uh, she's a young mom. She attended the Taekwondo classes that uh, Stacy did. Um, she comes from a background of um, during the 1994 genocide. She was uh, brutally beaten and left for dead on a pile of dead bodies. Someone came and rescued her and her story is very, very sad it's very sad
0: um, this is um, Pastor Dennis's sister who works with the co-op and then there's Marguerite and uh, they all have incredible stories and Marie's got them all on tape if you want to know more um, I have three brochures out on, on the table with three testimonies if you want to read them so we're they're teaching me how to make paper beads <laughs> oh my goodness I needed my glasses for one thing. And they're fast, the way that they do these paper beads. And I I think in the process they had made like 20 and I'd made maybe five, but mine were really good. so. So this is what they do. They just sit around on this big mat and they make beads. And they talk about their families and their lives. And it's awesome, even though we couldn't understand a word they were saying. We still kind of felt like this is a mom thing. You know, this is a woman thing. And um, it was really good. They really included us. So this is cutting the paper. You want to tell them a the process. Uh, yeah. This
1: is so. This is of, of varathane and kerosene varnish that they're doing. So they soak the beads in there, um, then they hang them to dry. It's it's quite an elaborate process to make these paper beads and necklaces. Um, this is it's so imp- it's so like important for them because it's how they make. It's how they make money. Like, it's how the, they put their kids in school. If they didn't have, make any extra little bit of money, they, their kids couldn't go to school. Or they couldn't have a meal that day. Like, the food they eat is very simple. It's very plain. It's like maize and maybe some potatoes. And sometimes bananas. Even though those things are plentiful there, it's th- if you don't have the money, you can't buy it.
0: This is her giving the money that we raised through our fundraiser for the soap machine. So Marie's giving them the U.S. dollars. Um, They were very, very thankful, Mm -hmm. Um, very moved by that. And Marguerite, (laughs)
1: Marguerite. she's the vice president of the co-op, and they presented me with a gift of this beautiful
0: African shirt that's really big. That I keep trying to get her to wear, and she hasn't yet. I was kind of glad that I got the bag, the 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 purse rather than the shirt, <laughs> because there's no way I would wear. She wore it all day long to a restaurant and everything. It was awesome. Well, it's
1: like I'm in Africa. Would be African, right? Like,
0: do you want to? Okay, so Chantal was one that stood out for us, um, partially because she attended Taekwondo, um, and. Her story was just really um, impactful for us. And we had a moment, um, she's 35, she got married when she was very young, she's still married to the same guy, um, but he's very um, verbally abusive to her, Um, cheats on her so much that she went and bought him some protection because she doesn't want to contract AIDS. And she came to Taekwondo class, and I made a point, because I know how humbling it is to be the only adult in class. (laughs) It stinks. It's so hard. And so she's the only adult in class. I looked at the roster, saw the 35 years old, learned her name, and I just focused on just saying her name as often as I could during class, making sure that when we're partners, I'm with her. Um, That's all I could do, because she couldn't speak a lick of English. and I. Definitely can't speak in your so But I can say her name. I can give her daughter hugs, who's also in class. Um, and just really made a point to connect with her on whatever level I could. And when we were leaving and saying goodbye to them, she went off in a corner, and she's just crying, crying her eyes out. And Dennis went over there, and he asked, what's the matter? She said, I have to tell them a testimony. So she came back over, and through Dennis, she was able to tell us that because of what she experienced during the genocide, she was 12 and left for dead in a pit latrine with her sister, her whole family, her parents, her other brothers and sisters were all murdered. And she had a very, very deep hatred for Mzungu, for foreigners, and especially French people, because they were some of the perpetrators. Um, And were from Canada, so she's associating that with being French, which most of them do. And she had gone through the trauma counseling with Dennis, but she just could not get rid of that that hatred just kept coming back. Um, and she said that through spending time with Marie and myself, that God had completely healed that part of her heart. So it was kind of a moment where you want to just drop the mic and leave because you think, okay, I c- if I came over here for f- those 10 minutes, I'm done. Like, that's all I needed.
1: I'd been t- I'd been videotaping other women's testimonies from the co-op um, for pro- pro- bah, for promotional purposes here, and... Um, Unfortunately, I don't have her video here today. um, But as soon as I saw what was happening and I saw Dennis was explaining what was going on for her, I was like, that's my girl. That's why we came here. And this is
0: after Taekwondo class. Um, She's she's just a bright light. Like, she... And it's amazing how much she was saying... She was almost feeling bad that she couldn't forgive her perpetrators. Mm -hmm. Um... And they give all the credit to God. Like, they're just so thankful. And she's now part of this co-op, so now she's got family. She's got women, and sisters have been replaced with the ones, you know, replacing the ones that she's lost. And um, we just want to ask for prayer because Marie's been really working hard with um, the grassroots grannies. Um, Can you tell them a little bit about this?
1: If If you haven't heard of Grassroots Grannies, they're grandmas who have come together on this side of the planet and are working with the Stephen Lewis Foundation and in kind of sponsoring or supporting grandmas in Africa who are uh, raising their grandchildren. Um, Yeah. yeah. So the Slocan Valley chapter, Grassroots Grannies, is today putting on a a Big T fundraiser that for the last year we've been like working on this um selling tickets and they're featuring Bayonese beads so this is this is sort of like the first really like step out into the world for this co-op and it's very it it seems like a very key day today so we'd like for one prayer that more opportunity with other groups like this could happen so that more product can be sold to support the women um, they have, they have lots of dreams and ideas. They need to buy their own um, house in Rwanda to house their co-op in. They are housed in the church right now, but they're actually not supposed to be. They're supposed to have their own sp- spot. Um, they want to buy this big soap machine so that they can start selling to schools and big businesses. Like They have very good entrepreneurial ideas. Um, they just need someone to help them get there. And When we were in Rwanda, we visited two other co-ops... That have been very well established and what I r- realized was these other co-ops were well established through North American funding in the beginning but now they function on their own and so with Bayoneza that's that's kind of what needs to happen is that um, they need help getting on their feet and getting going and right now I'm it Th- there's nobody else selling their stuff there's nobody else in contact with them to try and spread the message of who they are and what their product is um so i kind of feel like a heavy burden about that that the lord has to open some doors there um
0: so so pray for our kingdom business this afternoon from two to four because this could be huge these ladies might be pretty busy in the next little while and that's it? it yeah so we do have i do have one more little video um
1: it's Going to be the presentation that is going to happen today at the tea. It's about four minutes long. Um, and It'll give you a good insight into the co-op and who they are. Um, the other thing is, is I've if you feel like compelled or interested in becoming a supporter of Pastor Dennis and his church, um, I've put together a package and it's at the compassion table. About it's his like it's his ministry story, his his testimony basically, um, and at the back of it. There's a sheet of paper. I've now connected him with MMF. If you guys know Chris Weens, he went to work um, for MMF, the multi-multi something missions, s- something like that. Anyway, so now Dennis and Claudine and their church fit under Chris Weens's um, ministry, and so we can donate through Chris Weens's ministry to Dennis and Claudine, and so you'd get tax receipts. Um, it's just a real good way to keep, keep track of everything um, there will be newsletters that come out for donors if you're interested so please take a look on the table you know, take his story read his story it, you will be very very blessed by it this man is incredible and he has no other help there's no, there's no other help, it's just him so if we could play that video uh, thank you for your time and God bless